I sent out a tweet last week when I was at the beach. And now if you're on a North Carolina beach, if you look to your left and to your right, there's a good chance you'll see some shaboomies. Oh, yeah, it's shaboomi season. It's shaboomi season. It's uh-huh. hardcore. And now we've gotten to the point, shaboomies are what, like five years old maybe? Yeah, I About think five, so. five, maybe six. Yeah. So, like, some people have OG shaboomies that have been out so much oh, yeah. that the light blue part <laughs> is, like, almost white. Maybe so, it's a little shredded. <laughs> I think it helps determine your beach cred. We'll ask Luke T- DeCock of the News and Observer how faded his shaboomy is. But let's pretend to talk about sports things first. Uh, Luke, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. I uh, yeah, I've got a I got an OG Shibumi. Love it. Um, that yeah, pre-COVID, on the waiting list and everything. And yeah, that thing is blue and white. There's no uh, there's no light aqua whatever left. Not nah, uh, when you got a white yeah, no, Shibumi, it's cool. It's yeah, and that's cool. I mean, you know, to be honest, like. We kind of we kind of rock multiple tent situations. We've got the shibumi for windy days, which is obviously most days. But the calm days, we we've got a an old faded cool cabana too, do which you, is your your low your low wind option. Do you take them both out there, or do you like walk out of the beach, determine the wind factor, and then tote only one? Tote only one, but so we we usually drive to the beach. Um, not a long drive, but we drive in, and we we, we keep both in the car. Gotcha. The yes. So I will we, say we have options. It, there is nothing like I, I'm a ride and die Shibumi guy, but it is a little disheartening when you're sitting there in your beach chair and the Shibumi is just just draped on you. Like if you got one of those like kind of puffy, windy days, but then it's like dropping and you're like, I know the wind's going to pick up. I'm not giving up. I know afternoon the wind's going to be just enough to get it going. But for right now, you're just uh, wearing your Shibumi. So, um, yeah. Pre-Shibumi, Hayes, I'll be honest with you, we had a cool cabana that we would use. And in the high winds, actually, one of the arms snapped. And that was when we, we decided we were going full Shibumi. So I'd say we're about 80% Shibumi, 85 90% Shibumi. But that cool cabana for those calm, hot, steamy Stulty, you know, the yep. sultry days where the wind's just not moving, that that's your shade. That's good to have. Uh the Hornets passed on Scoot Henderson. I'm I'm kind I don't know why I'm being this way. I would rather be the like morons, idiots, once again, stupid, never get it right. But then like drafting is so much of a we can't really grade in three years thing. Can we really truly call this like a dumb, monumentally stupid move? Not yet. I think it certainly has that potential. Um, you know, look, man, when you make a draft pick and your mascot hates it, like that's unlocking an achievement. That is amazing. Like the mascot gets paid to pump people up. And the the dude in the in the Hornet suit was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me, man. I look, I would I draft Brandon Miller in that spot? Absolutely not. Um, but you know, for the Hornet's sake, if he turns out to be some sort of Kevin Durant light or, you know, the big rangy guy go inside and shoot the three and is a threat to do a bunch of things, you know, he'll be a good player for whatever team he forces a trade to in four years. So, you know, in that case, it, it probably works out well for the Hornets. I would I would have taken Scoot in that spot because I think even if you're worried about him and LaMelo playing together, you know, you you in the end, those guys are both assets. You can trade the one who you don't want. Maybe you get more for one than the other in the long term. I think the long-term play is is to, was to take Scoot, and I'll I'll be honest with you, if I'm the Hornets and I'm 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 looking at that roster and a new owner and all those things, and I'm thinking for the real long term, I'm going to trade down to a team that really wants one of those two guys, 
and I'm going to take the 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 light the lighter smaller French kid, the Bilal Koulibaly kid, and say, hey, you know, this guy's got a chance. He may be a complete flop, but this guy's got a chance to be something, you know, maybe not like Victor, but something pretty special. So I think they had options there, and they took the most obvious, least uh, dramatic one, and maybe they'll turn out to be right in the end. But to me, Brandon Miller wasn't the guy the Hornets needed. Maybe he is, and they've got it right, and we'll find out. But, but I, you know, as I said, maybe they got it right. I'm with you. You can't really judge these things. It's not what I would have done. I guess there's also a part of me that's like so much in sports we, um, you know, chide owners or general managers, whoever, for just – taking the safe route, right? Like, if if I'm not trying to convince you that Brandon Miller is the pick, right? But, like, on some level, if you were inside the room and it all got explained to you, and let's say there is some piece of knowledge of, like, yo, we, we really think Scoot is a terrible shooter and is going to be, you know, whatever, there's got to be some level of the easy thing to do would be the safe thing and take Scoot because then nobody will criticize you and you could just throw up in your hands and say, oh, we took the guy everybody said we should, right? Is there some level of... Hey, they, like, they may be wrong, but I guess at least they were sticking with what they thought because they clearly weren't just going by public opinion. Yeah, I think you, that comes into play more with franchises that you trust. Um, you know, at yeah. this point, you know, when you look at sort of the Panthers' current administration, um, you know, now that it seems like sort of Scott Fitterer has been given the, the keys fully and they're not chasing after every shiny thing that comes on the market – uh, you know, I think I trust the Panthers. Like, again, Bryce Young is probably not the guy I'm going to trade up to draft number one. But at this point, Frank Reich and, and Scott Fitterer, I, you know, they've earned my trust a little bit that they have a plan and they're going to go about it. we got to see how it how it goes. I don't think with the Hornets, and look, the Hurricanes too. When I, I thought a couple of years ago, going, this is going way back, when Matt Duchesne was on the market, that that was the guy the Hurricanes needed. And it was kind of explained to me like you're talking about, hey, Here's kind of what's going into it. This is why we that's not a move we want to make. And I thought, okay, that that's fine. Like, okay, that makes sense to me. Um, now that was a Hurricanes regime that we trusted less. That was the Ron Francis, we won't make a trade unless you hold one of our children hostage regimes. But now this current regime, you know, like they want to let Dougie Hamilton walk or let Tony D'Angelo walk. People are like, okay, you know. There's a plan there. I, I don't think the Hornets have earned that trust from anybody. Yep. And that's why even if Brandon Miller was the right pick, people are going to question it. As I said, maybe it is the right pick. It's not what I would have done, but I'm I'm not an NBA GM. And, and you know, I, I think we'll, we'll see how it goes. I just – I don't ever remember, other than the Jets every year, a draft pick that unpopular with a team's own fans. I mean, <laughs> that went over just – could not have gone over worse. I mean, people giving surrender cobras and yelling. I mean, the video is incredible. And and, it's, and they had time to pre- prepare for it. Like Woj had told them it was coming. Like you that you may have held out hope that he was wrong, but I felt like people kind of thought it was going to be Brandon Miller, and they still uh, were like, "Well, maybe it'll work." Is MJ Michael Jordan as an owner? Did he do? Is is his number one most successful move as an owner? Changing the name from Bobcats to Hornets? Is there anything oh, better oh, than that? Yeah. No. I mean, there's. I don't know if there's anything that comes close, close really. I mean, he, he got it, though, right? He understood that part of it. He didn't want to buy the Bobcats. He wanted the Hornets. Everybody wanted the Hornets. It was the franchise that people originally fell in love with, not some franchise named after a dude who founded a, a sports network that bottomed out before all the other sports networks have suddenly bottomed out. He was way ahead of the curve on that. But no, I, 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 I the, the Hornets is right in the way it should be, and, and they got that one right for sure. Um, you know how back in the day, 
There, there used to be a joke. I, SAT is probably the wrong place to try it, but on your your standardized test, there was a like, well, if you just put C on everyone, you might get a 30, right? Like, at worst, you should only get 25% right, and maybe you luck out because C's the most, you know, if you just put C, you get 30%. Is there, like, an owner equivalent of that? Like, if you just plugged in somebody that wasn't Michael Jordan and said, all right, every time you have to make a decision, we're just going to, you know, either flip a coin or whatever and just let total fate decide the franchise, could things have gone worse for the Hornets under Michael Jordan? I don't know. I kind of felt like that's the way they were operating I from may, afar. Maybe. I mean, you know, that's not like, look, I'm not up on that franchise and the inner sure. workings of that front office the way that I am, you know, like the Hurricanes or to a slightly lesser extent, the Panthers. I mean, Hornets kind of exist out there over there and we just sort of make fun of them like that cousin who can't keep a job. But uh, there's no question that Michael Jordan's tenure as an owner was was not not great. But hey, look, man really smart guys buy NBA teams yep. and do things like Matt Ishbia putting Isaiah Thomas in charge. That is how? the last thing how? I would ever do how? if I bought an NBA team. How do you, how, like how, how do you not know anything like, about his history as a, as a general he, manager? He's like pulling a Costanza with his own franchise. That's unbelievable. Uh, Luke Decock of the news and observer joining us. All right. Speaking of the NHL, they made a decision this week to get rid of the pregame Jersey routine. On the one hand, this seemed like an obvious reaction to some of the issues that came up this year with players, you know, choosing not to go out there in pride jerseys. So on the one hand, you could say uh, they're 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 backing down. This is a uh, a weak decision in the face of uh, you know taking a stand. I I will say slightly in their defense. In today's polarized world, sometimes it can seem like no-win situations. When you see marketing snafus that people walk into, um, and you just you never know what the the public is going to demand of you. So I have do have some sympathy for them. Um, how did you see the NHL's decision to just punt on pregame jerseys? They're just, I mean, I feel like they just kind of caved. Um, like, look, like okay, so pride jerseys are are. are shouldn't be controversial. Pride jerseys are controversial. People don't want to wear a jersey that says, hey, you're different than me and you're welcome here. We support you. Like, okay, fine. That's how you feel. Are these same people are going to get really aggrieved next year when they show up for military appreciation night and the Hurricanes aren't in camo jerseys? Like, this is so stupid. These things are meaningless. They wear them for warm-ups. They auction them off for charity. Show some support. Be a real human. Wear the stupid jersey. It's just, it's such a stupid made-up controversy. Like, nobody gets all all bent out of shape when the team comes out in, in, in lavender hockey fights cancer jerseys. Like, is there some player who's extremely, his religious beliefs make him pro-cancer so he can't wear the hockey fights cancer jersey? It's just, wear the pride jersey. It's All you're doing is showing some respect for a fellow human being. It doesn't mean you have to go out and march in a parade. It's just something you're doing for your fans. So I... I just think this is stupid. I thought it was stupid from the beginning. Um, I just think it's a symptom of our of, of a sort of thing in our culture where we just don't care about other people's feelings anymore. It's just all about how do I how does it make me feel? And there's just no respect for anybody else. Well, I do think that's the way it should be viewed. But what popped up this year, and and you correct me if I'm wrong. Obviously, you uh, will be the expert on this one. The Canes. Did they skate in their pride jerseys before the game, or did they just have pride jerseys in a pride night? Because they had so yeah, so they had. They, I, I'm trying to remember. I know. I know. I remember parts of this. Some of it's a little hazy. Because there, because um, there's some former Canes who became sort of the flashpoints of 
people who didn't want to wear the pride jerseys. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah, one one in particular. So, um, yeah, no, there were definitely. I don't believe they wore the jerseys because I think they don't. At least one team had already been through it. They did give players the option of using pride tape on their sticks in warmups, and I would say about two thirds of the players, half to two thirds of the players, did use it. We were, we were. I do remember in warmups for that game, sitting there, trying to, you know, with my terrible middle-aged vision, trying to see who had pride tape on their stick and who didn't. Um, not to call anybody out, but just to kind of get a sense, like I said, of what the the fractions were. Uh, it's, it just strikes me as the kind of thing, like. You know, like, look what they did to Mahmoud abdul Rauf when he didn't stand for the anthem, you know, or, or I can't, what it was, that he bowed his yep, head or yep. whatever, whatever it was he did. Like, it's just, you know, we're doing this all over again, but the opposite way. It's just, it's also stupid to me. No, I agree. And, and I would like to ask players sometimes of like, so uh, it, it, I, I hate that it has been elevated to a level of you're not just showing support for a fellow human. It's been taken to mean, oh, well, this says something about you, what you're wearing, where it's like, well, you guys wear um, jerseys with logos for them all the time. You don't think about th – that doesn't mean you're supporting that business and everybody in and everything yeah. they do, right? Like, these are I the mean, people who make your uniform. Let's say there's a, yeah, no, let's, let's say there's a player who's a Quaker and a pacifist. I mean, I think he's probably not going to make a big deal about wearing the military appreciation, appreciation night camouflage jersey even though it may conflict slightly with his beliefs because you're showing respect for the troops for the person. And somehow yes. that's, you know, mandatory in this, in this country. Um, whereas showing respect for people who are different is not. Uh, when is the Wyndham championship? I know it's moved around the oh, calendar. Yeah. Oh, so we're, we're not that, we're not uh, there I yet. believe it's still the, it's still the last one before the, uh, the, the future Saudi Arabia cup championship. So that's August. Um, all right. Well, speaking of this, all right. Uh, speaking of the Saudi Arabia cup championship, I assume you saw the news that the, uh, the Qatar Investment Fund is getting into um, yeah the, the Washington. Yeah. How long do you, before we see uh, Middle East money in college sports? You know, I don't know that the college sports market has the sort of international. Uh, um, you know, the thing about the NBA and to a lesser extent the NHL and definitely golf, definitely Formula One, def obviously soccer, is it has that global market, so that's attractive for a kind of, you know, uh, 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 you know, the, let's, let's call it these sports washing sure. approaches to things where you're, you're going to, you're going to do that, whether it's live or now the PGA tour or the capitals and wizards in this case. But what, what I think we learned from the PGA tour part of it. I, so I don't think college has that resonance. I, I think that's probably a ways away, but I do think that this is just the beginning and you're yep. going to, I think what's happened is, some of these, you know, uh, Middle East, Middle Eastern countries with oil money that that want to improve their image for whatever reason, whether they bone sawed a columnist or whatever else they've done, are going to start buying sports teams because they realize with this PGA Tour thing that the prices that we put on things, you know, let's say the Ottawa Senators cost a billion dollars and there's four groups nickel and diming it from nine hundred fifty million to a billion dollars. You know, to the Qatari investment fund or the Saudi investment fund, the difference between a billion and two billion is negligible. So I think you're going to see a lot of, hey, they've realized, you know what, we can buy stuff that's on TV and make ourselves look good. So I think soccer was just the beginning. I think you're going to see them buy baseball teams. Um, the NBA is the big one. I mean, that's an international global sport. I think that's going to be the next sort of wave of it after soccer, after golf, Formula One, obviously, that's a big one. 
Um, they've realized that their money means a lot less to them than it does to us. And if, look, hey, man, if I own an NHL team and I paid $275 million for it or $450 million for it, and some guy comes in and offers me $2 billion, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, of course you're going to take it. That's the, of course it's, you are. We're, we're, and we should all just read Harold Varner's script on what we do in that situation. They're like, and hey, look, uh, this is yeah. life-changing money for me. This is life-changing money. Let's give Harold credit. Yeah. Because he... He acknowledged he was the, most the moral complications of it. Yep. He said, I, I did the math. And then so a couple of weeks ago, he's out at Old Chatham playing 36 holes on a Monday, trying to qualify for a U.S. Open that if he were still on the PGA Tour, he would have been exempt for. And I talked to him about it after his round. And he's like, hey, man, I, I've done it before. I'll do it again. It's just, you know, he, he, he gets it. He's not saying this is unfair. He understood what the consequences of his decision were and went and did it. You know, that's the thing I think about Harold that's so refreshing is there's none of that faux posturing that you get from Mickelson, some of these other guys about growing the game or this is a chance to blah, blah, blah. Harold's like, dude, it was about the money. They made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I'm going to take it. 100%. Uh, Luke Dukak joining us. I was saying earlier, you, you better be careful before you publicly take a stand on how you feel about Qatari money in some sports. Because pretty soon it's going to be involved in your sport and your team, uh, and don't get caught saying w- one thing about it, and then when it's your team, you feel different. The only thing I think about universities, it would have to be more subtle. Perfect example: uh, my sister works for Cornell Weill Me- uh, Medical School, and I remember watching the World Cup, and there was all this talk about World Cup and Qatar and and all that stuff. And the first time I saw, this is what you forget is coming. The um, the just like when we watch college sports and you see the like, hey, Clemson University is a great place for innovation, right? When you're watching sports involving these nations, now you're going to see Saudi Arabia is a great place where women drive and we do all the we have great beaches, right? And the first one I saw, hey, I'm Lionel Messi yeah. and I love Saudi Arabia. Yes, yes, yes. The first one I saw was like, come to Qatar, and all of a sudden there was a Cornell Wild Medical School, and I hit up my sister. I was like, wait, is there a medical school in Qatar? She's like, yeah, I'm speaking at their graduation this spring. Uh, so I could see, no, I don't see the Saudi fund saying we, we're endowing the uh, Alabama football coach position, but I could see Alabama medical school and some Middle East you know, team partner up and just starting the money flow that also maybe some money will go to athletics as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So. yeah, maybe in the long run. But, I, you know, I do think sort of that, that university, you know, look, man, Nobody likes money more than university. I know. Right? I know. Like that's, that's what why, I mean. That, that, so I think you'll see it more, as you said, of sort of that academics. I mean, look, Duke has global campuses in China, and they might have one. I, I know the basketball team went to the Middle East one year. I can't remember if Duke has a campus there or not. But you're going to see more and more of that because that's where the money is. And, look, I've written this, but, you know, Bill, the worst idea that Bill Friday ever had, he had a lot of really good ideas. I mean, Bill Friday was, was a genius in a lot of ways and saw a lot of this coming. Worst idea he ever had was putting college presidents in charge of athletics. Cause if they were all like Bill Friday, we'd be fine. Right. But in the 21st century, the way you get promoted as a university president is by raising money. And these guys are going to squeeze every last nickel out of college sports guys and girls. Cause it's, it's both, it's, it's not just, you know, obviously it's 
college presidents, period, are going to squeeze every last nickel out of college sports because that's all they know how to do. There's no stewardship. There's no best interests of the program or the sport or the conference or the school. It's, oh, can we add UCLA and USC and add $12 to our television deal, even if our athletes are basically become, you know, hollow-eyed, sleep-deprived zombies? Yeah, heck, let's do it. What the? Why not? We can get another $8 out of Fox. They're going to squeeze every last nickel out of this to the detriment. I mean, we've seen it with all the conference realignment. There's no reason that Clemson and Boston College should be playing in the same collection of universities, but that's where the money was. Luke DeCock joining us. Sorry I went long with you, but I always enjoy time with you Friday. Uh, follow him on Twitter at Luke DeCock. Check out his award-winning work for the News and Observer as a columnist, and hopefully uh, you'll be around next Friday. We can do it again, my friend. Maybe we could do it from, from the beach. From the beach, the annual Lou DeCock from the beach interview with guest host Hayes Perma on the Adam Gold Show. It's a tradition. <laughs> Thanks, dude. See you, bud. Talk to you soon.